0: this weekend mm-hmm. uh it's incredible i gotta say uh welcome to tony hawk cast um so i i feel the need to bring this up specifically because uh in one of the levels uh school two i believe uh did, did you ever play tony hawk sam extensively okay so you know the level school two
1: pretty sure i might be confusing it with school one
0: Okay, well, you know how in School 2, there's, like, the, um, the secret tape is, like, in that jump that's, you have to get, like, on the roof to get to the jump. Uh, well, that's School 1. Um, you have to get the roof on both of them. Um, there's, like, an awning you have to get onto, and then you have to jump onto the roof from the awning. Uh, and then in between, like, two flagpoles is the secret tape um and it like leads to a secret area when you go and get it uh well in the secret area there is a quarter pipe and i just i really need to bring to everybody's attention that in tony hawk's pro skater one plus two remake on this quarter pipe there is an oboe face neat we've done it
2: excellent
0: that, that, that was all I had for that story. I'm very grateful. Thank you for this audience.
2: Love to see some representation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's...
1: Modernizing the classics.
0: <laughs> we, uh... Yeah, no, I binged through all of it in like a day. It's so good.
1: The true life cycle of a Tony Hawk's game.
0: <laughs> what, binging through it all in a day?
1: Exactly. You just you get in, put on the scar, and then just go through it.
0: <laughs> See the the thing is, this time that it's really gonna mess with me, is that um, there are seven hundred and fourteen challenges that are like they're split up into categories so there's like 21 for each pro skater and 24 for your created skater so that's like you know that's roughly 400 something challenges because there's a lot of skaters um and then aside from that there are like combo challenges uh which there, there's a series of them called Get There's, which are like, oh, you have to combine all of these gaps in this single combo, and it melts my brain. Uh, there's multiplayer uh, challenges, and god, there's just so much. I, I was not expecting there to be like a million challenges, and now I feel like I have to 100% it, and I'm going to be stuck here for a year.
1: I will support your Tony Hawk journey from afar.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I also started Ghost of Tsushima which I reluctantly have decided I like. That that is all.
1: Seems simple enough. I've heard good things about the game. Like I uh that like there's a lot of issues that some some people have with, like, how it presents it, but as far as, like, the actual gameplay goes, I've heard good things.
0: Yeah, no, um... So far, I haven't had, like, super huge issues with it. Like, I've only... uh, I've only played, like, an hour or two of it, and, like, so far, all I have to say is Gene is a cop, um... But... He's also a cop who immediately breaks his code after being asked to break his code. He's, like... I don't know about breaking my code. I've always, like, you know, fought people face to face. I gotta look them in the eye when I kill them. And... He says, already
1: unholstering his gun and taking out his badge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then, like, five minutes later, he's like, alright, I'm gonna assassinate this person. And he does it, and then the game is... It's like that Tomb Raider, like, re- you know the reboot of Tomb Raider... Where like they like tried to present like her killing somebody as like a huge deal, and then she pre- she proceeds to kill like a million people over the course of that game. <laughs> like it, it's one of those situations where it's like, all right, here it's a big deal. He is breaking his code. He is assassinating this person. He is sneaking up behind them and slitting their throat. And now you're gonna do this a million times over the course of this game. Video games. <laughs> I just want you to know your your voice cut out there, and all I heard was gay, and I don't know what to do about that.
1: Well, the actual word that I was trying to say was video games, but that also fits, you know?
0: Yeah, it's true. We support the gays on this podcast. I'm still waking up. I'm so sorry. I, like, got up, and I'm like, oh, my alarms were set an hour later than I thought they had been set. And I still managed to wake up before the podcast. Thank God. That would have sucked if I woke up at noon and you guys were like, "Where's Lily?"
1: God, just be. I like I was thinking about it. I was like, "Hmm." Lily said that she was going to be maybe like potentially five to fifteen minutes late. So what if I just started the started the podcast with Lynn? By the way, the three the three hosts are Lily, Lynn, Lin- 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 and Sam. Uh, we're really and I was doing
0: like, <laughs> this podcast very professionally this week. And I was
1: like, what if I just started the podcast and then when Lily showed up, I would just be like, Oh yeah, we're halfway through episode the first episode
0: twenty-three. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is the podcast. Welcome to It'll Wash Out A Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co host Lily.
1: I'm Sam, and the secret is the podcast starts when we want it to start. <laughs> <laughs> We have that power. We have the editing.
2: I'm your co-host, Ghost Lynn.
0: Guys, this is a disaster podcast. Why do we do this? It's, o- it's only a
1: disaster in so much as how much you show the disaster during what the editing. What do you mean? <laughs> like, we have the power to go back and say, hey, you know what? The episode starts at, hey, this is Bleachcast.
0: We I mean, can do this. We have that choice. We have wrong. that power.
2: No one has to know we are a mess.
0: I have a confession to make. I like got scared after like expressing my views on Full Metal Alchemist on the finale episode, and I'm like, I'm gonna cut this out. And I did, and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to be put on blast for my my Full Metal Alchemist views because I haven't seen it in two years, and I don't know if they hold up. <laughs>
1: I mean, you could, you could always just say, yo, by the way, these were my views two years ago and I don't know if this holds up.
0: This is true. Welcome to confession cast. Uh, I, I got nothing that, that's not a bit, that, that bit's over That bit's dead.
1: I mean, you're doing the editing, so I'm not going to criticize any of the editing you do yet. One day, perhaps, perhaps I will become way too big for my britches. And then I'll, I'll go in. <laughs> but until then, no criticism from me.
0: Oh my god. because I, I have a four-day weekend off work, and all I can think about is how much I don't want to go back to work on Tuesday. Like, that's literally all I've been thinking about this weekend.
1: Yeah, only three days, but... Yeah. It's completely uh... relatable. How... You know what? How about we start the
0: episode? Let's actually start the episode. You know what? We have a podcast. It's we a do. called It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. What if we actually talk... <laughs> what if we talked about Bleach in the Bleach podcast?
1: Let's How get this have I only rolling. been
0: recording for 12 minutes? It feels like we've been sitting here talking about bullshit for like an hour.
2: Time.
1: When you're going through a disaster,
0: sometimes it feels longer than it actually is.
2: Dot is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is. Okay, yeah, let, let's do the episode. Episode 23. 14 days before Rukia's execution. Uh, I actually wrote here 14 days before Rukia's execution, uh, which really, I think, shows the state of mind I've been this weekend. New wards. We open back in the Rukon district, with the battle between Ichigo and Ganju continuing. Ganju calls for the time, and his companion tells him it's 9pm, frightening Ganju into wh- I, I- I wrote here whittling? Whittling for his boar- okay. Frightening Ganju into whistling for his boar, Bonnie, who leaps over Ichigo. She crashes into Ganju, and the gang flees. Uryu puts a hand on Ichigo's shoulder, stating how weird that encounter was.
1: <laughs> that whole bit goes, like, a little long, but every time I'm like- Man, when is this going to end? Like, how much of the episode is going to be this? There's, like, every time I start to think that, there was just, like, another little exclamation, another little joke, then I'm like, okay, yeah, this is funny. And then Ishida just caps it off with, like, you know?
0: That was That was, that was a total weird. shit show. <laughs> <laughs> U- Uriu literally shows up, and is just, like, hand on shoulder. Bro. <laughs> that was weird I- as hell.
1: <laughs> is this our life now? Yes. It's
0: weird. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, Orihime wonders about Jidambo's health, leading Chad to tell her that big bodied men have plenty of salmon to keep them healthy. Orihime is reassured, and Uriu is busy thinking about who Kukaku Shiba may be, since Yoruichi gave them no details. Orihime is convinced Kukaku must be a cat, like a Persian, American Shorthair, or a Dalmatian. And then Chad is like, Orihime. I love you. <laughs> Dalmatians are dogs. <laughs>
1: I mean, he also has the really good point of, just because the talking cat is a cat, does not mean that their friend is also a talking cat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just... It was a good bit. Oh, oh, also, I should note, this week uh, I decided, because for some reason my phone was like not loading crunchyroll and like i was not about to deal with it i went on netflix to watch bleach and like by default it was set to the dub and i'm just like you know what this is how i originally experienced a lot of bleach i'm gonna leave it boy howdy that is a dub (laughs) it's 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 good (laughs) i like it
1: Uh, so that would be a dub from 2006 2007
0: yeah, uh... Johnny Young Bosch plays Ichigo. Hmm. Which, uh... For those of you who aren't in the know... Johnny Young Bosch played the Black Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh... It... It is an experience, and he's actually... The P 4 protagonist. Yeah, also the Persona 4 protagonist. Uh... He's actually really good as Ichigo. Like, highly recommend it. Um... God. Uh... Yeah, no, Chad is, like, the best in this episode. He, I don't know. Am I the only one who noticed Chad just, like, dropping, like, the funniest shit, like, out of nowhere this episode?
1: This entire episode, he is on fire. However, I just want to clarify, Young Youngbosch played Adam the Black Ranger because there's, like, 25 Black Rangers.
0: No, it, he's the singular Black Ranger. There's no other one. Yeah, no. <laughs> he's the second black ranger before before adam there's zach and then uh there was like casting issues where like half the power rangers left and it's really funny if you watch the show today because you can tell how much they're trying to hide that those three actors had left the show i mean it's... they give him a there's
1: like four ep- i think there's four episodes after they left but before they leave like in-universe Where they're just kind of, like, stitching stuff around the fact that they're not there. And then you... And then you get... Oh, also, they're leaving for the peace conference.
0: Yeah. It's also really funny because, like, some of the stitched together stuff is, like, they hired, like, stunt doubles or whatever to, like, sit there and, like, be in the shot. But only to the point where you can see the back of their heads. It's really funny.
1: But at the same time... That's how they do like eighty percent of the fight of the unmorphed fight scenes. Like they yeah. morph to get they morph together the fight the morph fight scenes and then they, or no, that's how they do the morph fight scenes because they they take the morph fight scenes from the Sentai and then they yeah. add like li- they rearrange it and they add their own little footage to be like okay we filmed one second here and one second there and we connected these two scenes and we made a new choreography. Please do watch think-
0: Mighty Morphin. <laughs>
1: yeah the i watched the movie with the abnormal mapping discord the uh, two th- uh, three weeks ago and that movie came out in 95 and it is incredible how many movies that movie tries to be like it is definitely an experience
0: <laughs> god i i need to catch up i i like both in abnormal mapping and just like i need to keep watching power rangers <laughs> We can't can't do this!
1: We cannot do this! We're talking about Bleach!
0: (laughs) No, it's fine! (laughs) See, I think the reason we don't talk all that much outside the podcast is because if we do, we just get sent down rabbit holes of, like, absolute nothing.
2: Welcome to Mighty Morphin' Cast. (laughs)
0: Welcome to Mighty Morphin' Powercast. I'm your co-host, Red Ranger.
1: I refuse. (laughs) (laughs) J'accuse.
0: Who do you... I can't do this. Sam, why are we gonna make this a podcast? Back in the game. Sam, Lynn, what what are we doing?
1: (laughs) Trying to not think about how there's a gold ranger with a cowboy hat and a toy guitar. (laughs) What? I will reward you for finishing the podcast with the picture of this character if we actually make it there. I think
2: this (laughs) means we need to talk more outside of the podcast. I
0: also think we need to talk more outside of the podcast. (laughs) Just one second. Just let me get this out.
2: (sighs) Uryu Ishida.
0: Uryu is sure Kakaku must be a samurai, but Chad thinks he'll be an old hermit. Orihime draws in the dirt, and Uryu is impressed by the drawing, despite stating that it needs a cape. This drawing is incredible.
1: <laughs> that, like, my absolute favorite bit is a, it? It's not that all three of them have just, like, this this very specific, like... Ah yes, this mystical person that we're looking for has to look like this. It's not that Urihime puts them all together into the best character design see- seen in the show so far. It's that Uryu looks at it and goes, "No, no, 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 no. He needs a cape. Clearly, whoever Kukaku is, <laughs> they wear a cape."
2: <laughs> I love how Chad continues to stand there staring at the door. No, it's really
0: good because Uri is like, or him, but at least in the dub, uh. Urdi is like, "Arhime, I'm impressed by your drawing, but where's the fucking cape?" <laughs> like, <laughs> God. <laughs> Urdi realizes that Ichigo is running late and decides to check on him. They
2: swore on bleach.
0: <laughs> they swore on bleach. Inside, Ichigo states he is staying here to finish his fight with Ganju. He promises to beat Ganju up quickly to catch up with everyone. And Yoruichi shows up, like, "Hey, Ichigo, are you are you stupid?" Rukia dies in two weeks, my guy. Ichigo looks down and decides to get ready to leave. In the prison ward, Rukia sits in her cell, asking Renji if her execution date was moved up. Renji reveals that the execution will take place in less than 14 days, and that the use of Sokyoku has been granted, and that she is to be transferred to Senzaikyu. Uh, I I like this scene. Uh, There's not a whole lot here, but like... I don't know, I like that Renji is the one who has to tell Rukia everything, because apparently, you know, that's not a conflict of interest or anything.
1: I think, so, because of the scene, the next scene that we get involving them, I think he volunteered.
0: I also think he volunteered.
1: Like, I entirely think this is Renji, like, taking it upon himself to be like, well, if someone's gonna do it, fuck it, it'll be me. Also, holy mood whiplash, Batman! Like, ho- my God, we go from <laughs> we we go from Yuruiichi with the like, you know, pretty. He's like, Yo, I know you're prideful and all, kid, but um, you have a job to do. You're here to save someone. Like, what the fuck are you doing?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's like all comedy and goofs to this point in the episode, like including the Gonchu shit, and then like all of a sudden it's like rukia you're going to die in less than 14 days also we're transferring you to a new cell and it's like is this the shape is this the same show like am i watching the same episode of bleach right now
1: yeah it's like it's just complete tonal whiplash and I, i'm like on the one hand it, it kind of works i guess but on yeah, like
0: it I, doesn't not work
1: but yeah, it's definitely like it, 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 it I was shocked, like, because I was like, wow, it really does feel like I'm watching a completely different anime. Like, just the the moody music comes in, like, the heavy atmosphere starts to, be like,
0: uh. Yeah, uh. Ichigo and the crew walk toward. Uh, sorry. Ichigo and crew walk through Rukongai, noting that they have reached the edge of a village. He and Uru bicker about which way they're going, and the bit lasts, like, a million years. And Yororichi tells them that Kukaku moves often, but always builds the house the same way. You'll know it when you see it. They continue walking for like five seconds and immediately spot it. A normal looking house with an absurdly large chimney and two human arms holding a banner stating Kukaku Shiba. They're like huge stone humanoid arms, like sticking out above the house, just holding this banner.
1: It's so good. And I love that, like, Yoruichi's like, Ah, well done. It's the arms holding it up this time, huh? And the boys are just like, No, we can't- We, You can't make us go in there.
2: I love how Ichigo and Ishida just IP into this house's design. They, they just, like...
0: Both Uryu and Ichigo, like, are like, Wait, she changes the theme? <laughs> like, each time? Like, because apparently... I mean, Yoriichi specifically says, oh, it's arms this time. Like, really implying that whatever's holding up the banner is different each time. And I gotta know what Kukaku's house looks like in the past.
1: There is a picture of this in the manga. There's like, it, there's one of the end of chapter uh, corner illustrations. That's like four or five designs of the Kukaku house, of the Shiba house. I love and, this. And sometimes it's the pa- it's a pair of feet. Like, just sticking straight up out of, out of the ground. Sometimes it's an entire statue of a giant wrestler who sits on top of the house, and he's holding up a championship belt, and that's where, like, the banner is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's incredible. Linz Lin says Yonarichi. Last time, it was a stack of Power Ranger helmets. <laughs> Fuck. Oh my god. Uh... Two men emerge from the house, Kaganahiko and Shiroganahiko, and they tell the group to stop before noticing Yoruichi and welcoming everyone in. They're, like, really rude, and they don't trust the group at first, and then Yoruichi shows up, and they're like, Ah! Yoruichi! How dare us! Please, come in! Yeah, because at first they're like, well,
1: one... Y'all are dressed super weird. Like you're not dressed like anyone from around here, and one of you is a shinigami. Like, you're basically the enemy. What is happening? So no, you can't Oh, Kitty! Of course! <laughs> how how could we have ever been so rude to friends of Yoroichi? You are the greatest. Then <laughs> they just bring them in and it's like, oh wow. I love I... this mystique around who Yoroichi is.
0: Yeah, it's so good. Uh, they, like, go into the house, and it's, like, immediately in the house is just this giant staircase, and they start descending and, like, talking. Um, I don't know what they call them in the subs, but in, in the dub, in the dub, uh, Koganehiko and Chiraganehiko specifically refer to, like, Ichigo and crew as Yorouichi's servants? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I and, think they, they basically call them acquaintances or retainers. I think retainers is the word that gets used.
0: That's pretty good. Uh, it's you yeah, know they're like, ah, oh, I see you brought your servants with you. And Ichigo and Uri are just like, servants? And, I don't know. It's, it's just a funny bit. Uh, they reach the bottom of the stairs, and Kagano slides open the doors, revealing that Kukaku is, in fact, a woman.
1: Dun dun
0: dun! Surprise noises. This is kind of a recurring theme in the show. I did want to like at least loosely touch base on is that there seems to be a habit of assuming anybody in power is a man, and then the show expecting us to be surprised when it's not a man, um, and in fact is a huge titted woman. Uh, yeah, it's
1: it's it's not just like, oh, hello. It's, aren't you surprised she's a woman?
0: <laughs> it, it's like... I Okay, to be clear, I like Kukaku. I really, really like Kukaku. Like, a lot. Her design kind of irks me, because this is one of... Like, this is one of a few women we get introduced to over the next, like, couple episodes. And... Two like the two main character women that I, I would at least say supporting character women that we get introduced to the next two episodes have like huge tits and huge amount of cleavage and I noticed specifically their tits are like oiled up like they're shiny why are they shiny
1: yeah it's definitely it's definitely drawn it's drawn in a way that brings attention to them like. Like, the out-of-universe drawing is made so that you- your attention is drawn there, like, even without just commenting on the size of them. And it's- it's weird. It's kind of weird, because it it makes them look either, like, just perpetually sweaty, or, like, hold on, I know there's a meeting, but I need to go dive in this vat of oil. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I will be right back.
0: (laughs) Like, otherwise, other than that design thing, I think Kukaku's design is fucking cool. Like, I, I think Kukaku rules um she's got like in in the anime she's got like a prosthetic arm uh and she likes she smokes from like one of those long uh church warden pipes not not like quite like the curved one but the long like straight ones you see um but uh i don't know kukaku's design is cool in the manga i know like she's actually missing that arm and i i i know we talked about this in like the the podcast chat like in discord i i'm trying to figure out why they would do that because there's so much other like disturbing shit in the show and i'm trying to figure out why they would like feel the need to censor that
1: yeah like i just i just like offhand assume that it's going to be something li- it's like the reason behind it is something like oh the direct either the director or the producer or like the first showings of the show were like oh, you can't have, like, uh, someone with, like, a bandaged stump. Because it, 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 it's not, like, a clean cut at the shoulder either. Like, it stops, like, midway through her bicep. Um, so it's like, you, we just put a prosthetic there or whatever. Or maybe it's just because they wanted to have scenes with her, like, uh, stabilizing herself on, with an arm.
0: Lynn makes a very good point in saying, at the very least, they made it a prosthetic arm and not, like, erased her disability entirely. And I can agree with that.
1: Yeah, God, I and like, it's not. It's not entirely like out of the uh, realm of possibility that they would have done that. Is also like, yeah. like I, I, could have seen a TV show do that. So yeah, I am glad that they, they they didn't do that.
0: Yeah, and like the prosthetic at least looks cool. Like it, she, it doesn't like detract from her design or anything. Um. So, yeah, Kukaku is a woman, she asks Yoroichi about the group, and then the cat begins to ask for a favor. Kukaku states that usually this is the case, you always ask for favors, and then asks if the problem is difficult to solve. Yoroichi states it is, and Kukaku grins. We cut back to the Seirute, Renji and the Kido Corps escort Rukia to her new cell. The Corps remove the rope and veil that Rukia is wearing once they arrive. Renji asks if she can see the Sokyoku through the only window in the cell, as they are what will be used for the execution. I once again uh, spell Execution here, and I I don't know why. One of the Kido Corps members explains that this is called the Palace of Penitence, because prisoners may look out to the Sokyoku and repent for their sins. This is... dark... (laughs) It's kind of
1: fucked up! It's like, yo, you're on death row, and also, the cell across from you has your electric chair.
2: It's fucked up is what it is. It's
0: really fucked up! It, like, it, this is like, okay, not, not to dwell on this too long, because, you know, we never dwell on things in this podcast. It's, it, it's really weird to me that, like, tonally, they're like, okay we're going to make you stare at this Sokyoku where you're going to die. This is what's going to kill you. But also, we can't show this woman's stump arm. Like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But you know what? Okay, Bleach. We're doing it.
1: Yeah, and like, uh, bas- uh to backtrack just like a little bit, like the walk across the bridge itself is just like incredibly unsettling because they have like, she's got like, a death shroud on her face. And yeah. there's, and there's four faceless dudes with, uh, and they each have like a tall pole that links to the collar that she's wearing. And it's like, wow, that is a lot of precautions. And well, it's, it seems to be more like ceremonial in nature. Uh, yeah. especially, especially once they, like they remove the bindings, like, and this is something I really liked actually is that they, I did too. like, like the jailers aren't cruel to her. Like, none of them taunt her, none of them mock her, uh, they they were like, here's the method, he, like, here's the kind of fucked up part of execution in our society, I guess, but also then they bow to her, and they, like, show her a bunch of respect, and then they leave.
0: They bow to her, and then one of them, like, performs, like, a small spell, and, like, the bindings that are binding her, like, arms, there's, like, this weird binding that binds her arms to her neck. Uh, and, like, one of them performs, like, a spell, and they, like, unwrap themselves from her arms, and it, like, goes directly into this hole in the back of the collar. And it's a really cool effect.
1: Yeah, and it's, like, how much of this binding is spell work? How much of it is, like, weird spirit technology? Uh, like, just the entire scene is, like, really cool. It's just also, like, loomed over by the whole, like, yo, this is fucked up. Like, this is really fucked up. (laughs)
0: Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's real fucked up. The Kido Kor begins to leave, but Renji remains. He tells Rukia that one of the five Ryoka, which is like the soul reaper word for like intruder is what I'm getting, um, who arrived in soul society has orange hair and wields a huge sword. What he neglects to tell Rukia is that they also fought Gini and Jimaru because he believes that that means they're probably dead.
1: Yeah, at this point, he's, like, trying, I guess, he's, because he's seeing her, uh, and Rukia has been, like, fairly emotionless, or at least not showing much emotion to anyone, um, Mm -hmm. understandably. Uh, But as soon as he says that, like, her eyes open wide, so I think at this point, he's like, well, I'm gonna give her a a little bit of hope, I guess, uh, but I'm not gonna, like, bring it crashing down right after.
0: Uh, Which, I think is, like, an interesting characterization for Renji, Uh, I think it's interesting that he's like, this is my friend, I'm gonna give her some hope, and I know this thing that would immediately dash that hope, and I'm not cool enough to do that. I, like, he's not the one to, like, taunt her. He's, like, telling her this so that she actually, like, has some semblance of hope in her heart.
1: Like I'm, I'm liking Renji
0: a lot through this watch through. Honestly, me too. I
2: like to think some part of him has some hope too.
0: I do too. I I like Renji too. Renji really feels like. Let, let me let me try and get this word here. Renji feels like he is genuinely Rukia's friend who has been caught in a really really bad, uh, in a really bad place where he is caught between duty and his loyalty to his friend. And I think that is a really good characterization. Uh, he has a duty as a soul reaper, as the lieutenant below Byakuya, uh, and he can't himself rescue her. Uh, as Lin literally just said, he can't rescue R- Rukia from the system, so he's depending on Ichigo and company to break her out of it. That is a much more... That is much better wording than I could have come up with. Um.
1: I think at this point, like, I don't think at this point he believes that they're alive, though. Because he, yeah. like, he himself is thinking about how, like, Gin probably killed them. Um, but I do agree. Like, I love how he's conflicted. And, like, he's clearly got, like, okay, well, I can't. The best I can do for her right now, because he believes this is just a situation that she can't escape. He's like, the best I can do is. Try to at least cheer her up in, like, her final days or whatever.
0: Yeah. He's at least trying to be supportive in some way, and I, I really like that about Renji.
1: And the bit that made me think that he volunteered for this is that the, um, the Kido Corps, like, specifically thank him for escorting them. So I'm assuming that someone, of vice-captain or higher, would have done it regardless. Uh, yeah. But... Like, I just get the impression that Renji's the one who's like, yo, I'll, like, I can do this, I'll do it.
0: Back in the Shiba household, Kakaku states that she understands the situation and agrees to take on the job. She says she couldn't refuse even if she wanted to, as Urahara is involved. Which, I like this little, uh, point here, makes you wonder, who the fuck is Urahara? She gets to her feet and says she trusts Yorahara, but not the group. She states she's going to send her younger brother with them, who is, quote... Not very useful yet. <laughs> she, sli- <laughs> she slides the door open, revealing Shiva, who's, like, on his knees, and he, like, bows and greets the group respectfully, before he immediately notices Ichigo, and the two just, like, immediately start brawling again.
1: It's so good, and, like, I, in- I really enjoy, like, this entire episode, whenever the kids, like, get something... Unexpected that happens. They get these like weird, super goofy, rounded, off-model comedy faces, and yeah. Yoroichi's in particular is just like, "Ha, ah, what is happening?" <laughs> well, Yoroichi's like like everyone else. It's like, "What is happening?" And Yoroichi's is this more like kind of a smug, like, "Yep, I was expecting this to happen."
0: <laughs> I I love all their goofy faces. They're really really funny. Uh, We get back to the Seirute, and the 5th Division Captain, Sosuke Aizen, calls out to Renji, noting it has been a while since they last met, and asks if he has a moment to talk. Aizen closes the curtain in the doorway, and asks Renji if he's close to Rukia. Renji's like, what are you on about? Uh, But, like, Aizen's like, don't worry. Hand on shoulder. You can trust me. (laughs) Renji's like, yeah, I guess I'm close to Rukia. And Aizen cuts straight to the point, asking Renji if he believes that Rukia should die. The circumstances are odd, and the crimes are heavy for sure, but they are also being dealt with in a very strange manner. Her gigai was ordered uh, for immediate retrieval and disposal, and the grace period for execution was shortened from 35 days to 25 days. He theorizes that this must be the work of one person, and notes that he has a bad feeling about this. We get a shot of Ginichimaru listening from the outside.
1: He also mentions that the Sokyoku has never been used on someone who wasn't a captain.
0: L- I like did not ever. catch that part. <laughs> um,
1: the setting up of this mystery, it like it's such a good and effective scene, and it's one of those examples of Bleach saying like two sentences and deploying a shit ton of world building. Because in, like, one sentence, we know Aizen and Renji knew each other, or probably were together. Renji moved several years ago to Squad 11, then he moved to Squad 6. Also, the squads work separately, So because it's, like, he hasn't seen a captain in several years. Like, and that's just, like, a completely normal thing. Yeah. And And then he drops the whole, like, yo, this is super weird and sketchy, and it's like, oh... What's happening to Rukia might not be, like, representative of their normal procedures. It's like, it is exceptionally harsh, and even the captains are like, yo, this is exceptionally harsh, what is happening?
0: It's really good, and it also, like, really makes you wonder what the fuck's up with Gin, because Gin this far has been, like, the sneaky motherfucker who's just like, you know, I'm gonna be a really bad man. (laughs) And, you know, he stops everyone at the gate, and now he's listening in on this conversation, and it makes you... It, it really, really wants you to think that Gene is behind this, but, like... Let, let's be real. gene not behind this. Like, it's trying too hard to make you think he is.
1: <laughs> like, it's... You know, Renji, I think this might be the... This might be someone's secret plan cut to Gin's face <laughs> half covered in <laughs> shadows and he'll like mm, show. I think you're trying to tell me something
0: mm-hmm. subtlety <laughs> oh god <laughs> before he can explain further an announcement calls out for the emergency meeting between all captains uh, back in Kakaki's place the brawl is stopped short as Miss Sheba's pipe is destroyed, leading her to unleash a powerful spell, destroying parts of the house, and, like, putting the entire house at, like, a small tilt.
1: I love that she's, like, she's watching them fight, and she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then so one of them knocks her pipe out, and she's like, all right, I'm not a fan, but, eh, whatever, kids be kids, like, kids be brawling. And then one of them steps on it and breaks, and she's like, oh, no. No, 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 no. Hold and then- up.
0: she just like smashes her fist down with this huge spell and it like puts the entire house like not on its side but just like at an angle and like breaks a bunch of shit it's really funny
1: the absolute best little detail of this though is like we see her hit the ground we see the explosion start and like we see light consume ganju and ishigo and then it cuts to outside and just before we see, like, the explosion burst through the ceiling, we, and because we're seeing, like, this the house from fairly far away, if you yeah. look closely, you'll see uh, Orihime, Uryu, and Chad run out of the house just before it explodes. <laughs> it's
0: amazing! I didn't notice that detail!
1: It's, uh, it's incredible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's really funny afterwards, too, because Chad's just like, this must be why she moves so often. <laughs> and it's like, Chad, thank you, my boy. You understand. <laughs> Kikaku berates her brother and Ichigo for fighting and says that they ruined her house. she's like, what are you talking about? You ruined your house. But Kikaku like, punches him and asks the group if they have any more complaints. She grabs Ichigo, telling him to get out if he doesn't approve of her way of going about things. And he's like, I'm sorry? I'm sorry? <laughs> she lets him go and walks away. Kikaku orders Hiko to start preparations outside, then tells the rest of the group to follow her and be quiet. They walk through a well-lit corridor, and there's, like, an exchange about how well-lit it is, and she's like, oh, yeah, I filled the ceiling with such-and-such. And, such. and then is like, oh, is that some sort of plant in Soul Society? And then she does not answer. Uh, she orders Ganju to open the door, and he does, and Uri's like, hey, are you gonna answer me? And Ichigo, like, puts his hand over Uri's mouth and is like, don't question her, my guy.
1: He's like, Did you, were you asleep the last five minutes?
0: <laughs> uh, we open the door, and it reveals the base of that huge chimney-like structure we found and Kikoku explains that this is like a giant cannon meant to launch them into the serete from the sky and she announces herself uh, she announces herself as the best fireworks tech in the Rukon guy ending the episode i love this
1: <laughs> it's so good the uh the subs you like the the subs on uh, on Crunchyroll use the word pyrotechnic specifically, and I was like, I guess that's like more the official name. But I know the manga uses fireworks, uh, <laughs> fireworks technician or fireworks expert. And it's like I feel like that's a lot more like like a lot more people watching this show is going to understand if you say firework expert compared to pyrotechnic.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, this episode was pretty good. I I think. It had, like, a lot of really good, decent world-building bits in it, and I think, like, tonally, while it was a bit whiplash, it was, like... I don't know, I think the dark bits were handled well, and I think the comedy bits were also really funny. Uh, And aside from, like, the stuff we already mentioned... Yeah, Lynn says the tonal whiplash was more funny than derailing, which I think is kind of like what we can expect from Bleach, like when it's actually doing a good job. Because, like, there are times. Bleach, the entire show, is going to be a series of tonal whiplash, I feel like. Where we're going to have a lot of serious stuff, and then we're going to have all of a sudden the goof. And, like, sometimes the goof can really detract from the episode, but I don't think it did from this one.
1: So. I'm just, I'm, like, I really love this episode, just, like, in general, but I agree on the tonal whiplash thing, but I can also explain it by going into the, di- the differences with the manga. Okay. So, uh, the first difference is, we already mentioned it, Kakaku doesn't have the prosthetic arm in the manga, she just has a bandaged arm that stops, uh, right under her shoulder. But the other major difference, the meeting with Kakaku continues all up to Ganju's intro. And then the chapter ends, and then Renji and Rukia is its own chapter, like
0: oh okay, so it's like <laughs> cutting in between these chapters. Got it.
1: Yeah, so I guess it was like we don't want to have a full comedy episode, and that or like. We don't want to make half... Well, because the the episode uh, features both chapters, right? So it's probably, like, we don't want to have, like, one half of the episode be 100% comedy and then be 100%, like, dour, serious political stuff and then have, like, a two-minute thing at the end where it's like, and I'm gonna shoot you out like a firework! <laughs> <laughs> so this was probably done in order to, like, prevent that... We, that like, like, that final whiplash would have been even more directly like yo what happened here
0: <laughs> i think that makes sense
1: uh yeah that tracks uh in the uh, in the um uh, the the renji chapter i guess since he's kind of like the he's a little bit like a second protagonist in these moments right because we're follow we're kind of following him walking around doing the stuff with rukia talking with aizen that kind of stuff uh, we learn, we get in the manga, we get that Aizen's full name is Sosuke Aizen, and he's the captain of the Fifth Company. And he explicitly says, I lost you to Kenpachi, indicating that Renji, like, was in Aizen's squad pre- previously.
0: And also, like, I did we know before this that he was also in Kempachi's squad?
1: Uh, no, like, it all comes, we, we learned that in this one, but... We specifically learn in the manga that he was an Aizen Squad and then in Kenpachi Squad, as opposed to, like, knowing Aizen from something else and then going gotcha. to Kenpachi Squad. Because, you know, like, maybe Aizen was a teacher. Like, that could have been a thing. Like, he could have been at the academy or something. Uh, another, like, kind of weird difference is that in the anime, he calls Rukia's crimes, like, heavy shit. Like, he, te- he says, like, her crimes are specifically this, this, and this. And he's like, well... They're, like, pretty heavy crimes, but it doesn't deserve this treatment. Whereas in the manga, he just says, I've never heard of anyone getting the ultimate penalty for that. So I think he's implying that, like, she shouldn't even be getting a death penalty, period. Much less the, like, ultimate captain the death penalty.
0: That's wild. That's actually, like, a huge difference.
1: Another kind of big difference is... When he says he has a bad feeling that someone's, like, this is all part of someone's plan, we don't see it as its skin. We only see some we see someone's leg, and we see, like, a word bubble coming out that's, that's like, eyes and talking. So we know that whoever is listening in is listening directly outside the door, but it doesn't show who it is in the manga. Uh, so, once it changes back to the Kukaku house, she doesn't destroy the house in the manga. She just beats the shit out of them and tells them to be quiet. <laughs> The fear of God is still installed in both of them, right? But it's because she takes direct action upon their bodies.
2: <laughs>
0: the fear of your
1: God, Kukaku Shiba. And then, because this chapter was the end of a book, uh, we get some extra character files. Specifically, oh, sick. Specifically, we get Byakuya's and Renji's. And I'm not going to go late. I'm not going to say everything that comes out of this. But for Renji, we learn two kind of important things. One is the his... Well, important. One is that his eyebrow things are tattoos. Love in it. You, in case you were curious, they, they are explicitly tattoos. Love and it. And he is a graduate of the 2066th term of Soul Reaper Academy. And he was assigned directly to the 5th squad. But because of his skill as a fighter... He was given... He was promoted to the 11th squad. Or not promoted. He was put in the 11th squad because they're the fighting squad. Makes sense. And his promotion to vice captain is one month ago. So we know that he only joined Byakuya's squad like super recently. And then Byakuya's thing is... His scarf costs as much as 10 houses. Oh my god! Like, there's a bunch of details about, like, his, like, like, his no- his nobility, and, like, the station of his house, and, like, how, like, the name of, like, the little hair tube, like, the little hair tubes he's got is, like, some, like, normal, noble formal wear. But the important part is, his scarf costs as much as ten houses. Oh my
0: god. <laughs> rich-
2: BRB gonna rob Byakuya's fucking closet.
0: Rich fucker Byakuya Kuchki. Eat the fucking rich. Like- God, that, that's upsetting, actually. <laughs> that is upsetting knowledge.
1: And I'm like, yeah, I bet there are scarves in this world that, li- that are worth ten times my apartment. I can absolutely believe this. This knowledge is not making me feel good.
0: <laughs> God.
1: Uh... Alright, want to take are... a quick break before we go into the next episode?
0: Yeah, let's take a quick break. We should probably get back to the podcast, huh?
1: We should probably get back to the podcast. Perhaps. Perhaps we will actually finish it today.
0: (laughs) Maybe? I'm so sorry that my brain is just like in disaster mode right now.
1: I will give you a small preview.
2: We are not any better.
1: I will give you a small preview of the gift that I promised.
0: I was actually just about to ask.
1: To tantalize. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> oh, I love that they do this, and I love that they like because they don't adapt every sent. They don't adapt every single Sentai series. There's a few of the Sentai series they don't adapt, uh, but they did adapt this one. <laughs> All right, so. We return to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach podcast.
2: Spoiler alert. That's only underscore one underscore of the head smile.
1: We return to Bleach. (laughs) Lily, you're still there? Oh, joy. We taunted... We taunted fate. Alas. Alas.
0: Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm recording. Let me, let me, can we, like, time.is this shit? Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Let's
1: time.is slash just.
0: I, uh, oh my god, I. 20 seconds? Yeah, it works for me. Hello and welcome back to Cowboys Destroyed My Podcast cast. We did.
2: Welcome back to I Was Sorry for the Technical Difficulty. <laughs> Lily Was Slain by Cowboy Hat. So
1: <laughs> I'm not going to elaborate. I'm just going to go straight in. Episode 24, Assemble, <laughs> The Thirteen Divisions. Kakaku tells her minions to raise the platform, lifting the massive cannon and the entire room that the gang is in back up to ground level, revealing the special supersized fireworks stage, the Flower Crane Cannon. And she asks. Like, also, those minions, not near. I don't care how much they're being paid, not nearly getting paid enough for the job they're doing. Oh, for sure. Like, they just. They hand cranked. This giant, like, 50-meter-long cannon up, like, four stories out of the ground? It's its its ridiculous. It's stupid. I love it. Ishida asks if this is a joke, but when he complains, he gets beamed in the face by an orb with a phoenix on it. The orb is a Reishukaku, or spirit core. Kakaku tells Ichigo to focus his energy on it, and we're again reminded that Ichigo has no idea how to do spirit-form shenanigans. Yoroichi explains that he can't use Kido at all, and Ganju has to show him how it is done, although Ichigo doesn't want to give him the orb at first. Their squabbling is quickly put to rest thanks to Kikaku's fist, and we see that when properly used, the orb generates a solid, larger orb around the user, which is what they'll use as a cannonball. Kikaku explains the Seirete isn't only protected by its physical barrier. The ore in the barrier is a rare mineral that just completely breaks down spirit energy, and it generates a force around it that also, like, dissolves spirit energy.
0: Yeah, she, like, Which... demonstrates this. Like, it's called Seki Seki, to be clear. She, like, demonstrates this by, like, putting a small fragment of it on the floor, and then, like, doing a spell, and it just, like, it around the this small fragment of it is just, like, this hole in the ground. But But it's fine. It's fine. Like... The, the, the ore is fine. It's, like, still on a piece of floor.
1: Yeah, and... So, basically, what this means is that, like, there's the giant wall that, like, protects Soul Society. But because of the way that the the ore also makes, like, this barrier around itself, it also creates an invisible barrier around and underground. But, if everyone pumps their energy into the cannonball that Kukaku created, and they're fired by the giant cannon... They have a chance to pierce through the invisible barrier. She asks if they have any questions and immediately cuts them off and says, well, now you need to go train. Bye, ciao. (laughs) And doesn't answer. And she doesn't answer any of them (laughs) Uh, because the kids have to train their control. Since if any one of them screw up, they're going to explode and then crash into the barrier and then die. (laughs) She sends Ganju to help them train, but he says he's against it. He can't help a soul reaper and he wouldn't be able to face his brother kukaku tell him tells him to never speak of that again and also not to show the group such a weak face
0: yeah we are getting some hints that something happened to their brother we do not know what happened uh do we know like anything about their brother yet aside from this i don't think we do
1: We learn a very small amount later in the episode, and so far all we know is that Ganju hates Shunigami.
0: I mean, he did proclaim himself. He is a self-proclaimed Soul Reaper hater.
1: Exactly. I do like the idea that it's like, oh yeah, there's this crazy invincible stone, and it makes a slightly less invisible barrier around it. But, like, when I think about it, it's like, okay, but then how'd you cut it? If everything in the if everything in the spirit world is spirit and this thing resists all kinds of spirit how do you harvest the ore like how what how With does this, how does this work <laughs> There's there's one there's one physical knife in the spirit world <laughs> and they use it to carve the stone I don't know it's also, it's like okay how how does she have like a chip of the stone Where'd that come from?
0: It's not even, like, bigger than, like, a a normal, like, kitchen knife. It's just, like, a chef's knife. That's... (laughs) so stupid. Don't let me go down this rabbit hole. We have a podcast to finish. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. We'll get there.
1: We we can make it. Back in Soul Society, Renji and another vice-captain, Iba are walking towards the big meeting, both of them mentioning it's the first time they've been told to wear their Vice-Captain bands for an official meeting. At the waiting room, they meet a third Vice-Captain, Hidamori, as well as Rangiku, who comes in after them.
0: Rangiku also has huge tits, and they are also oiled up and put in massive cleavage. Sorry, continue.
1: (laughs) Uh, Rangiku mentions that it's go- because vice captains are going like all over this whole society to do their work it's going to take at least half a day to gather all of them and then she also says that her own captain just couldn't be reached at all and when renji asks who it is iba talks about quote the hitsugaya boy and renji's like oh the prodigy that must be tough <laughs>
0: I I think this is like an interesting bit of world building, but I also think it's kind of strange that the squads just don't seem to know that much about each other. Like Renji well, not knowing who a captain is seems kind of weird.
1: I think the idea is that like he he knows that Hitsugaya is a captain. I think he just didn't know which captain he was.
0: Okay, that I I guess because that... like we es-
1: we established last episode renji's gone several years without meeting face to face with aizen this is so true that's least, so there's at least like an already established they just don't talk to people in other squads i guess uh I, but we do get a bunch of info in this thing like we get uh vice captains barely ever get formal summons because this is the first time either renji or Eba have uh have to like where it's the first time they get like a formal summoning as vice captains Uh, Not everyone's aware of who's captain of what squad. And one of the captains, who so far all the captains we've seen are, like, incredibly powerful and dangerous and, like, just monstrously strong. One of them is at least young enough to be called a boy. Yeah. So, again, another example of Bleach just being like, here's, like, just a ton of world building in, like, two sentences.
0: Can you imagine we already know that, like, when people die and go to Soul Society, like, they retain their form, like, completely. Like, we know one of them is young enough to be called a boy. Can you just imagine, like, a five-year-old who, like, dies and goes to Soul Society and then, like, eventually becomes powerful enough to become a captain? <laughs> like...
1: I have sc- I have screenshots of the last arc of Zajbel to show you because there, <laughs> there, there is an evil baby in Zajbel. <laughs>
0: Oh, I need that. We can't
1: do this. It's almost an hour and a half. We have to finish the episode. <laughs> alright, alright. Hinamori asks Renji if he's seen Aizen because he's been acting strange and won't tell her if there's a problem. Renji just straight up lies and tells her no. <laughs> but, but he tries to reassure her that nothing's wrong and like thinking back to his conversation like he's basically like don't worry about it i'm sure nothing's wrong with uh, cap with uh, captain eisen and this whole situation is going to blow over and i'm sure that this meeting that they're having is going to be done like in 2 minutes it's fine like there's no problem everything's going to be okay meanwhile he's thinking back to his to his conversation where eisen was like uh something is definitely up and super weird and i think someone's like there is a mastermind somewhere <laughs> so he's he's just like it's okay, Hinamori, I guess. While well, also, oh god, civil- civilization is crumbling around me.
0: I just want to state, like, obviously, like, we don't know enough about her right now. Uh, Momo Hinamori, like, my old friend group when I first got into Bleach, would incessantly just, like, dunk on her for, like, quote-unquote being useless and nothing. And I, I'm worried about that. I'm worried.
1: Not to... Not to be too much into spoiler territory, but are you sure your friends didn't write Bleach?
0: They might have written Bleach. I, I think one of them might have been Tite Kubo in disguise.
1: Darn. Perfectly infiltrated his fel- his fellow kids.
0: Did I tell you all I used to have a Quincy necklace? It is a
1: good neck it is a good like design.
0: It's a good design. I lost it at like a park. But like you know, whatever. Anyway, moving on.
1: Back at Kukaku's house ichigo is not managing to clear the training in fact he can barely start it and we are shown kakaku pouring a drink for herself and her dead brother apologizing to him for helping out a soul reaper she knows that he would scold her he would scold her if she didn't since he loved soul reapers and died as one and it's like oh oh that's a lot
0: that is a lot
1: Downstairs again, Urihime performs the training perfectly. Ishida manages as well, but it's very narrow, which leads the twins to just comment on how it's probably related to his personality in some way, shape, or form. Chap's attempt is powerful, but unstable, and Ishigo can only make, like, a weird miss comes out, which prompts the pair to immediately just start mocking him for having zero talent. He continues struggling, with Ganju watching from the sidelines bored, and eventually dinner is served ganju mentions that Rukongai souls don't eat because they can't use their spiritual energy and so they don't get hungry that's why they probably didn't offer them any food the previous day everyone goes up to or ichigo says that he's going to keep trying instead of going upstairs to eat and there's a quick little scene of erhime trying to stay and help until ichigo says no it's like it's fine like please go i'll do this alone and like she looks hurt (laughs) Like, she looks really sad that he's sending her away.
0: Yeah, no, there's, like, this whole bit where she's like, No, I, I'm i not hungry. I I can stay with you. It's fine. And he then her, like, stomach, like, growls. And she's like, I'm sorry. I lied just now. It, but I can still stay. I'm not that hungry. And then Ichigo's like, No, go. Eat. I need to do this alone. She's like, Oh, oh okay. I'll just do that i guess
1: it's the most awkward th- like you just see her like just having the, the just the most awkward reaction and then be like all right who are you chat let's go eat upstairs yay i guess Hey, She's <laughs> just like oh god poor hime <laughs> poor hime. god and... ichigo tries again and fails again and ganju asks him if Ruki is that important says no did he promise to save her no then it's gotta be money right and ichigo is like money from here wouldn't be useful what the fuck so ganju event like just prompts him straight up then why are you so determined and ichigo says it's because he owes her rukia saved his life she gave him the power he needed to save his family and that's the reason she's getting executed he doesn't want to be the kind of person who would turn his back on that. He's not going to let her go. He's not going to let her die without a fight. And this gets through to Ganju, who takes the orb, saying he's going to practice and that Ichigo should totally cover his ears and not listen. Because he's Ooh. practicing the trick that helps him do it out loud. baka
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> So he takes the orb and just speaks out loud his thought process. It's a very quick meditation trick. That he says is the basis for all of keto, and then he leaves. And Ichigo complains about his acting because he's like, "God, like if you wanted, if you were gonna help me, just like say you'll help me, like it's fine."
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love this bit of co- characterization for Ganju. Honestly, like I'm not gonna help you. Don't listen, and then <laughs> just turns around and does it. It's very good, and it's it's endearing.
1: Like, he does it, and then he immediately just is like, Man, it's so easy. Anyone, any loser could do it. Like, every single- every, Anyone else could be able to do this. It's so simple. I didn't even need to practice. And he, like, throws the orb behind him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, Ganju.
0: In this podcast, Ups- we love Ganju.
1: Upstairs, Chad and Ishida are done, but Uriime is pretending she's not hungry. Despite- Clearly starving, like her stomach starts, and she's like punching herself in the stomach to get the sounds to stop. And Chan and Uryu are both like, like, "Oh, it's okay. We believe you. Like, we're not, we're not gonna call you on it. Just like, please stop hurting yourself. Please stop punching yourself." Uh, and she all she she such
0: good energy. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) like, I love them.
1: I had completely forgotten that we had like so many interactions with them. Uh. And I'm loving it. It's really it's really good stuff. As she says she wanted to bring the food to Ichigo, uh, the whole building starts shaking, and they're all like, Wait, that's Ichigo's uh, spirit pressure. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so, so Kukaku runs down to see w- what the hell is happening. And we see Ichigo struggling inside a giant ball of energy around himself, and his spirit is going wild. At Kukaku's urging, he manages to control it, but as soon as he does, he realizes the rest of the group is there, loses concentration, and causes an explosion. I love this scene because it's like, Same. oh yeah. When it when he fought the Menos and when he fought Renji, in both occasions, he pushed himself to his limit, went past it, and then it was, oh god, Ichigo is going to kill himself because he has no self-control, and his spirit energy is just completely like pouring out of himself at an incredible pace. And this is just like the continuation of that. And it's like, oh yeah. Like, this is just, like, the natural progression. And now, he's showing more... Con- like, if someone snaps him out of it, he can act- He can control it himself. Which already is showing growth compared to when he fought the Minos.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a lot less of what I remember this show being, which is oh, Ichigo is just gonna have a sudden power spurt in the middle of this fight out of nowhere, with no training, with nothing. And, I don't know, it's... More of his friends helping him actually learn self-control, which I am liking.
1: Over at the captain's meeting, Ginn arrives at the meeting joking that, Oh, everyone's here for me, uh, except for the 13th captain, because he is absent. And when he asks why, we're, we learn that the man has an illness. And apparently this is a recurring issue. Zoraki tells him to stop messing around, and he asks Gin how come he went to play with the intruders on his own without like without get receiving orders from up top. And also, why they aren't dead. Gin <laughs> replies, Oh, I was i thought for sure they were dead. My combat sense must be getting rusty, but another captain tells him to cut the crap. And then the uh, this captain, uh, Kuritsushi and Zoraki basically just. They're essentially getting in each other's face because they both want to get in Gin's face. So they're just like squabbling super pettily. Uh, we do see the boy Hitsugaya, who's complaining about old fools like making a racket. And once Gin says, it's sounding like they're accusing him of letting the intruders go on purpose. <laughs> uh, the other captain Kuratsushi says, Yeah, that's it, that like that's literally what I'm saying. I'm saying you let them go on purpose. <laughs> They keep squabbling even more until the old man at the head of the meeting tells everyone to stop it. He says he asks Gin to defend his actions, and Gin just says, "There ain't no defense. No, uh, it was an honest mistake. So no, ex- I don't have any excuses to give." Eisen interrupts him about to ask a question, but before he can, an alarm rings out, and the episode ends. Like it kind of goes directly from the alarm and everyone looks up to. Just smash cut to Rukia in her cell, wondering about Ichigo, and then like the episode ends there.
0: It's kind of a weird place for the episode to end. Like it feels like, it feels like it wasn't quite finished. It's really strange. Well,
1: like I could I could have seen the the episode being like, Aizen starts his question. The the alarm rings. Everyone looks up. And then having the episode end. Like, just having the episode end with the alarm. But the the weird part is that it takes the time to just, like, flip over to where Rukia is in her cell. And just have, like, a two-second thing where she's like, I wonder how Ichigo is doing.
0: To be continued. <laughs> it's very also- strange. Um, Just want to state here, I'm, like, I've been, like, on the wiki page, like, while we're doing this. Because, like... I, that is helping me keep up with what I want to talk about, if there's anything. I just think it's very funny that, like, in the list of all the captains, it lists all of their divisions, except for Hitsugaya. It's like, 12th Division Captain Meori Kuratsuchi, Hitsugaya, 8th Division Captain Shunsui It's, like, <laughs> really weird. <laughs> but, anyway, this was... Uh, I felt like a little less positive on this episode like I still enjoyed it um and there were some really good bits in it I I don't know I I really feel like the ending kind of sours it because it, it just like kind of ends on a whimper with nothing and yeah then... I do
1: I do really like all the shots of Gin looking incredibly sinister oh like as sure. soon as he's st- like as soon as he starts walking into the meeting like the the anime is like yo this is Darth Vader
0: <laughs> <laughs> the the anime really 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 wants you to believe Gin is like the bad guy here. <laughs> like it's doing everything in its power to make you believe it. Yeah, uh,
1: uh, there's not that many changes in the um in the manga edition. Uh, except that like we learned that the Rangiku is part of the tenth division and Iba is part of the seventh company, um, and. Yoruichi's explanation of Ichigo is in the show. She says that he's a newbie who hasn't learned Kido yet. In the manga, uh, Yoroichi says that Ichigo is a makeshift Soul Reaper.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's like Uchi well, you're not wrong.
1: It's like you're not wrong. <laughs> And then the only other thing is that the... So normally I skip the end of chapter stuff unless there's like very specific information in those little doodles. But this one seems to be like an arc that's starting because it's... So one chapter has... It shows Karin uh, who's seeing more of, quote, those things. And we see like a flying hollow. And she's ba- she wonders if it's an animal ghost because she's seeing more and more of them in town lately. And then the next chapter... The next chapter, she chases it because she's got nothing better to do, and she wants to see where it goes. And I'm like, Karin, no, you're going to, hurt. you're going to get hurt.
0: Save her. <laughs> Protect so, the children. So yeah, re- really quickly, uh, I know I, I already said this. Yep, yeah, we do get introduced to Rangiku Matsumoto, who does like, she's not like a main character, but she's like. She's, like, a more important minor character, I would say, uh, especially later. She, uh, along with Kukaku, she also has huge titums, and they also are oiled up. And, I don't know, I I wish they weren't, like, huge cleavage, like, oil titties. Like, I, I wish we had something better. There's I, I don't need to dwell on that. I just need to make sure it's clear that is the case here.
1: Whenever I see the post that says Ah uh, yes, the woman breasted Boobali down the stairs <laughs> <laughs> Rangiku is the person that I think of. Because it's the it's the most like clear example of like no one like no one else except like Kukaku looks like this in the in the show.
0: I whenever I see Matsumoto like What immediately comes to mind is one of the times I was, like, watching Bleach in the presence of my parents, my extremely Christian parents, (laughs) and I just remember specifically one time Matsumoto, like, I, I vaguely remember her being in, like, a schoolgirl uniform or something, like... The the schoolgirl
1: uniform happens, I can confirm this.
0: Yeah, acting, like, really sexily towards Ichigo, and I'm just, like, in front of my father, and I'm just like, oh god, I swear, it's not usually this bad, and the thing is, it is usually that bad, I just didn't notice when I wasn't in front of my parents.
1: Well, it's not usually that bad, because Rangiku's not usually on screen, is the thing.
0: Oh, for sure, it's... uh... We're, we'll welcome s- to Memory Cast.
1: We'll we'll see how. I guess we'll we're gonna see how bad it actually gets, or if it does get that bad.
0: Uh, I, I, off off the show, I'll I'll just remind y'all of something real quick, to like say how bad it really truly does get. I, I'm just gonna post a single image in in the chat, and y'all will be like, oh oh no, yeah we might no, we as well. St- bo- we should we, do our plugs.
1: Yeah, let's just yeah, let's plug it out. Uh, did you want to plug since I I have the uh, manga bits?
0: Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, this was it'll wash out a bleach rewatch podcast. You can find me on Twitter at lavender underscore pause.
1: You can find me on Twitter at ssb
2: slj. At lot underscore lake on Instagram. And you can
0: email the show at iwobleachcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter, at BleachCast. Thank you all for listening. This has been a disaster uh, in both the best and the worst ways. Uh, We are professional podcasters. Uh, God.
2: We did amazing. (laughs)
0: Today was an adventure. (laughs) It was an adventure. (laughs) Alright, thank you for listening. Commitment is a strong word.
1: <laughs> Commitment is a strong word. Have a good one <laughs>
0: 誰も待ちがかくそまる頃何げなく
2: do